you know, that last song we just sang, Yahweh, I, that song, okay, it's a great song. I really like it. The first time I heard it, I didn't think I liked it too much, but it's, we keep playing it. I like it more and more. But I'll just give y'all, this is not spiritual or anything, but here's one of the things I like about it, is it reminds me, when they go into Yahweh, it reminds me of a 1980s power ballad. And uh, the first thing I thought of was, I thought of uh, Europe, the final countdown. And uh, so, you know, some of you might be thinking, who is that? 1983, just real excited about that. Uh, anyway, I'm not trying to script the song, but that's just, a, every time they play that, I just sort of smile and think, uh, can I have a lighter? Uh, but... Um, <laughs> All right, so today, getting back to hopefully the Bible, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a young man, and uh, he was going to go visit his, uh, his sister and brother-in-law. It was his birthday, so he went over to see them, and as he went out to see them, they had made some cupcakes for him. And the, his little nephew, Timmy, had helped make the cupcakes. He said, Timmy, bring me one of those cupcakes. And so he grabbed the cupcake, took it over to his uncle, and his uncle uh, grabbed it, took a bite out of it, and he's like, man, these are really good. So I really like these. He said, I'm really impressed about how, how nice they look. He said, it's incredible how you got all the icing to be nice and even. He said, how did you do that? He said, it's really easy. He said, I just licked off all the extra parts on it. Now, I, I like the story, uh, but today we, we are concluding our series on modern family. And I thought one of the things that we would do is that we would focus on this last message upon children. And I really believe that one of the major responsibilities of, of parents is to really to teach their kids how to survive, how to live in this world on their own. And, and that's, that's one of the major responsibilities that we have. Now, the fact of the matter is that, you know, we're not always parents. You're not always going to be able to keep an eye on your kids. Uh, so as we saw some of the kids today, they're, they're graduating from high school and they're going to be out on their own. And uh, that can make parents nervous. I know that makes you all excited. And so but there's, you can't always have your eyes on your kids. So it's important that we begin the process of preparing them for the day when they actually do leave the home. Now, what is it then that parents are trying to do with their kids in the meantime? And I think one of the ways that I can explain this is I have, I have three children, and I remember whenever we taught all three of our kids to ride their bikes. And whenever they first got their bikes, on the, the back wheels, you put on training wheels, right? And so they have those training wheels on, and your kid, when he's first starting to learn to ride that bike, those training wheels kind of give him balance. They enable him to get some confidence, kind of learn how to pedal, try to figure out, get the feel for everything. But there comes a day when your goal is to get rid of the training wheels, right? Now, as I thought about that, I began to realize that in a lot of ways, parents are like the training wheels for their kids when they're younger. You know, we're there for them to kind of give them guidance, to give them balance, to help them get a feel for life as they go along. But the goal is, eventually, that you're going to take the training wheels off so that your kid can learn to ride alone. I mean, how strange would it be if, if you know, we walked outside and we looked on the road and we saw a guy on a 10-speed wearing a helmet and he's got, he's got training wheels on the bike. We'd say, there's something wrong with that guy. You know, that would not be, that would not be normal. Well, parents, it, it is not normal if we sort of handicap our kids and never prepare them to ride all by themselves. 
And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to look at our passage of Scripture and we're going to see the writer in the book of Proverbs sharing with us some important steps that we can take to teach our children to ride solo. Now some of you might say, well, my kids are already grown and gone, that's fine, you've got, you got another round coming up. Not personally, but maybe you know, grandkids. Uh, others of you say, we don't have kids, that's okay, and you might not ever have kids. That's right, but you're going to be around them. And so there's some things that you can do to help in the process. And then for those of us who still have kids in the home, it's important for us to learn how we can teach our children to ride by themselves. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Proverbs chapter 22. We're just going to look at one verse today. We're going to look at verse number 6. And as you're looking that up, just to let you know, the Jewish people, whenever they would teach, and they would teach life lessons at home, they would turn to the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, as you go through, it's a great book. And it's, it's a book that has its, its short little sayings all throughout the book that deal with just about every aspect of life. Uh, the book of Proverbs deals with, deals with finances, deals with marriage, it deals with you know, how you speak to one another. It, it just deals with, I mean, pretty much anything in life, you can find it in the book of Proverbs. But our focus today is going to be on the kids. And that's in the book of Proverbs. And the focus is how can we leave a legacy behind for our children so that they're going to be prepared whenever they begin to ride in this life alone. So let's just simply take a look at a few steps we can take to get our, our kids prepared to ride solo. You know, what are some steps that we can take? The very first step to take, very first one, is simply show them how to ride. If our kids are going to learn how to ride through life, one thing that has to happen is we have to teach them, we have to show them how to do it. You know, how to ride through life. If you look in verse number 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, verse number 6 tells us that we are to train up our children. Now, what I want you to see is who is responsible for training up the kids. Now, I think there's this mentality today that it's supposed to be farmed out to everybody else. You know, we, we think that the school system is supposed to teach them certain things. We think that the church is to be the primary caregiver in teaching our children about morality and about values and about a relationship with God. And then some of us think that television is a good start. If you think that, especially on television with what's out there, you're crazy. But anyway, so all these things, we, we think that all these things are supposed to be helpful or to be the primary source of teaching for our kids. But when I look in the Bible, I see that the primary teacher of our children, the main responsibility of bringing up our children in life to where they're going to write solo, that is the parent's responsibility. Mom and dad, always. And where do we get this? Well, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And then it says, Impress them. You, parents, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. In verse number 7 of that scripture, it tells us we're to impress the teachings of God upon our children. And that word impressed, or impress, it means to pierce. 
We are to pierce the teachings of God, parents, upon our children. Now that sounds kind of violent, doesn't it? You know, like I'm going to stick it to them. Now that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is that you are to so, I guess, inculcate the things of God, the teachings of God into the lives of your children that it becomes a part of the fabric of their lives. It is pierced into them. And I say, well, how do I, how do I impress the things of God upon my children so much so that it becomes a part of who they are? And here's what I really believe. It happens as you lead by example and you teach them over and over and over again the words and the things of God. What's an example? You know, it's important for us as, as parents to, to have knowledge about who God is. You know what, but if you're going to really impress it upon your child, your, your kid's not going to be all that impressed necessarily with your knowledge. He's going to be impressed by what you do with that knowledge. So if you talk about how important God's Word is, you want to impress your kids, they need to see you reading God's Word. They need to see you applying what God's Word says to your life, not just talking about it. If we're going to talk to our children about the importance of the church, you know, it's, it's not going to be as impressive to them as they see you being faithful in the church. If you want to talk to your kids and you say, you know what, it's so important that we, that we love God and that we serve other people, well, that's a good thing to tell them. If you're going to impress that upon them, they need to see you loving God and they need to see you serving other people. You see, our kids pay attention to us much more than we realize. And they know that there's a difference between what you say and what you do. And when they see you saying something and then living it out, that is what's going to impress them. And that's what they're going to hone in on in your life. Have y'all, have y'all heard of the, the uh, diamond, his diamond dealer named Harry Winston? Have y'all ever heard of that guy before? Okay, there's a few of y'all that have. Um, I had not, and, uh, but it was interesting. I saw an interesting story about him. And he was, uh, he's a, a, a diamond, I guess, a diamond dealer. And he knew that there was a man that was looking for a particular kind of diamond. It was a merchant from the Netherlands. And he found this one diamond, and he called him up. said, I got a diamond. I think you'll really like it. And so the guy, I mean, he got on a plane from the Netherlands. He flew to New York. And he got to New York. He went to look at the diamond. And uh, his salesman... Uh, Harry Winston's salesman began to talk to this merchant about the diamond, and he began to talk about all the technical features of the diamond, talked about the clarity of the diamond, the, what, the facets of it, the kind of cut that it was, all these technical terms. And the man sat there and looked at the diamond. He said, you know, it's a really nice diamond, but I don't think it's the one for me. Well, Harry Winston heard the conversation, and he walked over. He said, do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about the diamond? And the man said, well, sure, that's fine. And so they sat down, and Harry Winston began to talk about the uniqueness of the diamond. He talked about the beauty of the diamond and how it really got his attention. And he began to talk about all these different things. And after he finished talking to the man, the man bought the diamond. Now, the salesman was irritated. Now, he's glad they sold it, but he was frustrated. And so he began to talk to his boss. He said, okay, I'm totally confused. He said, I sat there, and I shared everything with him to know about that diamond he didn't buy it. He said, what's the difference? How did you sell it to him? And Winston said, he goes, here's, here's my take on it. 
He said, you have knowledge about diamonds. He said, but I love them. And he said, and that man bought the love that I have for the diamonds. Now, here's the idea of the story. Parents, we have a lot of knowledge and life experience that we can share with our kids. And those are all good things. But our kids are going to pay attention to what we love. And when they see that we love something, they're going to say, you know, that must be important to them. And they're going to seek it out. They're going to look for it. And so my question for you and for me today is, what is it that we love? In your life, what is it that you love? What is it that you care about? What is it that is important in your life? Because whatever it is that you love, that is what your children are going to pay attention to and notice. That is what they're going to see in your life. So, here's my question for us. How do we bring up our kids in a way that they're going to honor God? How are we going to bring up our kids in a way that they're going to learn how to ride solo in this life? And the first step that we have to take is we have to show them how to ride. We have to show them in our own lives what's important to us. But if we're going to teach our children also how to ride solo, it's the second thing. We have to discipline them. There has to be discipline. Now I want you to look again in verse number 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I really believe this. I believe one of the hardest things for any parent to do is to discipline their kids. Uh, now when I was a kid, I thought my mother loved it. But now that I, I, you know, now I have kids, I mean, it's not, it, that's not true. Parent, we, we struggle with that. I mean, And one of the reasons why is because... We want our kids to like us, right? And if you discipline your kid, you think, they're not going to like me. You know that? And so it becomes difficult. We, we kind of worry about it. We think, well, I just don't want to do anything that's going to bother them. But what I've learned is that if we're going to train our child, and if really for that matter, anything, if anything's going to be trained, there is an element of discipline that has to occur in order for that to happen. Now, in our verse, that word train... It, it infers this. It infers a crossing of natural tendency. To train is to infer a crossing of a natural tendency. For example, it is not a part of our natural tendency to eat right. That's not our natural, our, our natural tendency is not to go out and say, you know, I like vegetables and tofu. What is our natural tendency? It is to get up like at 11 o'clock in the morning, go sit on the couch, eat potato chips, come to church, eat like 12 donuts, and we're, we're set. You know, that's all that we want to do. But if we're going to be in better shape and take care of ourselves, what do we have to do? We have to go against our natural tendency and seek after those things that are better for us. And to do that requires discipline. Now, unfortunately... Many parents are not willing to discipline because we don't want our kids to be upset with us. But here's what I've noticed. When there's no discipline in a person's life, there's not a whole lot that's going to be achieved. Now think about, think about the difference between water in a river and water in a swamp. Water in a river, it, it, 
it stays within the banks, you know, within its boundaries, right? So it has force behind it. When I think of a river, I think of something that has power behind it, something that is flowing and moving. But when I think of a swamp, I think of it, you know, so it's overflowed. It's, it doesn't have any boundaries. And so the water sort of diffused out, and there's no power in that water. That is the life that is not disciplined. That is the life that does not have any strength behind it. There are no boundaries there. That's why the, the writer of Proverbs said this. He said, train up a child in the way he should go. Notice it doesn't say train up a child in the way he wants to go. Can you imagine if we train up our kids that way? What do you want to do? Well, then we're going to do it everything. Y'all, if we train up our children in the way they wanted to go, none of our kids would have teeth by the time they're 20. You know, because they're just going to be eating junk. None of our children would have jobs. Because they just want to sit around playing Xbox all day. Of course, they couldn't do that because they're going to be homeless because they're not going to have a job. And so, you know, there's all, there's all these things. Our, our natural desire is to take care of ourselves, uh, to do whatever we want. That's why the proverb says train up a child in the way he should go. And if that's going to happen, there has to be discipline. And discipline is, it can be a wonderful thing because it can curb rebellion in our lives. You see, if rebellion in our lives go, goes unchecked, what's going to happen is that it's going to become more and more a distinguishing mark in a young person's life. Now, discipline's not fun. And, and, y'all, and the fact is, discipline, and in a lot of ways, it, it hurts. I mean, it, hurt, it can hurt physically, it can hurt your feelings, all these different kinds of things. I mean, I can't think of a time in my life when... You know, whenever I was disciplined as a kid, and I, and I woke up the next morning thinking, man, I want to get me some more of that today. You know, that was great. I mean, nobody wants that. But I can't tell you this, the older I've gotten, the more I look back on the discipline, and I appreciate it. Because discipline is an incentive. It's a motivator to keep me on the right path. Uh, there, was a, there was a farmer that had a mule and he sold it to one of his neighbors, trying to sell it to him. He said, listen, it's a great mule. He said, the only thing you have to do is just, it'll do anything you want it to. You just have to treat it ever so gently. And so the man bought the mule. Ten o'clock the next morning, he's back at that guy's house knocking on his door. He said, I want my money back. And the guy said, well, what's the problem? He said, that mule, is, it's, in the, it's in the middle of the field, and it will not budge. I can't get him to move. He said, I've been treating him ever so gently. He won't get up. So the guy said, I, I can help you there. So he got up and he went out to the guy's farm, <clears throat> went out to the field. He grabbed this big stick. And he walks over to the mule. And man, he just hammers it right on the backside. And that mule jumps straight up. Now, the man said, wait. He said, you told me to treat it ever so gently. He said, yeah, but first you've got to get its attention. Now, uh, y'all, in a lot of ways... That can happen with our kids. Uh, Proverbs 13.24 says this. It says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Now you might say, well, how am I supposed to discipline my kid? Now, here's, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell you all exactly what to do. I do. Now this is what the scripture says. You don't want to discipline your kid in such a way that you break his spirit. It's never the goal is to break the spirit of our child. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Now, I really believe it, each child, there's no set formula for discipline with their kids. They're, they're all different. I have three kids. All three of them respond to discipline differently. Uh, with Hank, 
Uh, my oldest son, spanking worked. That was unbelievable. Uh, now, some of you might not agree with spanking. That's fine. I do. And, uh, and I don't care. I don't care what you think on that one. I, you know, anyway, there's a lot of stuff we can go there. But with Hank, we'd spank him. It changed his attitude immediately. It was incredible. Glenn, my second, my second kid, what works with him is speech. I can, we can give him strong words of instruction, and he will respond to it. Janie, our third daughter, we ain't got a clue yet. Uh, I'm serious. She is, she is a great girl. She's the life of the party. But let me tell you something. We, and she's not here today, so I can, I can just say whatever I want. Uh, you can spank her, man. She's belligerent. She's going to say, you can watch this. You know, it's just one of those things. And then you can say stuff to her. If y'all have any suggestions, we're still trying to figure that one out because we don't know. Uh, but we just know, we know what's not effective with her right now. But anyway, uh, we, what we have to do though is there needs to be discipline with our kids. And when there's discipline, it needs to be consistent. And it needs to begin at an early age. I've had people come to me and say, you know what, I'd, I'd like to start disciplining my kid. He's, how old is he? He's 15. I'm thinking, man, you know, my mind, I don't want to you know, just kill their spirit. But I'm like, it's a little late. And I'm afraid that it's going to take the thorns of this life to get their attention in order to get them on the track that God wants them to be on. Now, now how, what are we supposed to do in discipline? And how are we to discipline? How do we do it consistently? James Dobson had this to say, and I thought this was really good. I really like the analogy. Here's what, he, here's what he said. He said, at a football game, when a guy jumps off sides, what does the referee do? What does he do? He throws a flag, right? He throws a flag. He says he doesn't get red-faced and begin screaming and yelling at the player about the virtues of keeping the rule. That would be humorous. But that's not what the referee does. He throws the flag, he says he drops the flag, and then he steps off the penalty. In the same way, when your child messes up, he says, don't break the peace of your home. He said, step off the penalty and do it consistently. Don't reason with the little guy. You discipline him. I mean, that's a good word there. Now, how do we, how do we prepare our children to ride solo in life? We show them how. We discipline them. And then here's the last one. And I really think, the older I get, I really think this is the hardest one for me. Getting our kids prepared to ride solo, the last one, is you let them ride alone. If our kids are going to ride, ride solo, there comes a time when we let them ride alone. In verse number 6 again, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I remember very well teaching... Um, really teaching all three of our children how to ride the bike. And I, I remember the joy uh, with our first one. And I remember we took him down to a pond by our first house that we had, and he was on the bike. You remember when you take off the training wheels? You remember that? And you take your kid out, and he gets on the bike. And you remember you hold on to the seat. And you kind of go along with them, and then you kind of you pick up the speed a little bit. And there comes that time when you give him a little shove, and then what do you do? You let go. And you let go, and you watch him. Now, when you let go, do y'all ever remember being a little bit nervous when you let go? What, what are you afraid of when you let go? Are going to fall, right? Let me ask y'all a question. Did your kid fall? Mine was doing wheelies. He didn't. He's very gifted. Uh, yeah. Hey, fell over. You get nervous. You, you let him go. But there is great joy 
And really, it's just bizarre, riding a bike. It was so fun when I let go and watched all three of my kids begin to pedal on their own. I thought, that's cool. No longer do I have to do this. Because, you know, as a parent, you're like, I'm really sick of doing this. If you let go and they begin to ride by themselves, that is the goal. Parents, that is our goal. That we raise up our children so that there comes a time when we let go. And we let them be who they've been called to be. The scripture kind of indicates this part of us letting go at the end of verse number 6. It says, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. He will not depart from it. And now I like to think that if I've taught my child well, that he's going to ride alone perfectly. That he's going to do real good. But unfortunately, you know what happens? Every person has the ability to make their own decisions and choices. I've known godly parents who've taught their kids well, who've stayed on top of them, who've loved them, and then who let them go, and those kids did not stay on the straight and narrow. They went off. What's the deal with that? We get to choose. But there comes a time when, parents, you can't, you can't control your kid forever. Because how many have to let go? And they get to make their own decisions. This an example of this is given in the Old Testament. Whenever Joshua is talking to the Hebrew people, they're entering into the promised land. He says, hey, choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. He says, you choose. He's not, he said, but now as for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. Now, if you've taught your children the things of God and you've reinforced it in the way that you've lived your life, the chances are greater that your kid is going to follow down your path. And there are going to be times whenever they fall down, when they're going to fall over on that bike. But when they fall down and they've seen you through life, they've noticed when you fall down as well, the chances are greater that they're going to get back up and they're going to continue to ride. But there comes a time when we have to let go. Now, I'm not, I'm not by no means am I saying when they're six years old, let go and say, hey, good luck, hope you make it in this world. That's not what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, when your kid is living under your roof, you need to be hanging on to that seat. Now, as time goes on, as they get older and older, the, 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 you need to give them more and more freedom. I really believe that. But when I live with you, you need to be teaching them. Now, you might say, well, there, and there, now, there's some things that, that I want to teach them, but, you know, I don't think they want to do. That's okay. You know, that there's some things I don't want to do either. But you know what? I do them anyway because they're the right things to do. There's, I, know, I know some parents say, you know, you know my kid, he's, he's mouthy and uh, you know, he smarts off. Let me tell you something. If he's smarting off to you, to, to you and to, your, to the wife, you need to stop it. Now, they might want, you might feel like, hey, they're old enough to do it. Well, they're under your roof. You don't let it happen. Uh, whenever your, your kids get older, you might say, well, you know, they really don't want to go to church. And I don't want to force them to go to church. And I know there's a lot, of, and, I, and some of you might have that same feeling. Let me tell you something. I, while they're living under your roof, dead gum, you force them to go to church. Make them come to church with you. Now, now for me, I, I can tell you right now, there are times when I don't want to come to church. But you know what? I come anyway. Why? Because I want to instill within the lives of my children, whether I feel right or not, we're going to do right. And they need to learn that. Now, now, there will come a day. They're going to go to college, and they get to make that own choice for themselves. But you want to instill within them what's important in your life and tell them and let them know by your actions what should be important in their lives. There comes a day, though, when you let go. You know, if we, if we looked out and we saw a man 
a grown man riding down the street and his dad still running alongside him, holding onto the seat, that's strange. Right? Let me tell you some parents, whenever our kids get older and older and we're still hovering over them and watching their every move, it's the same deal. There comes a time when we let go. And we trust them, we entrust them to the Lord, and we teach them, we do the best that we can, and we let them live their life. And I don't believe there's anything that would be more enjoyable than watching our children ride alone and ride in such a way that they are honoring God with their lives and being productive. Now, you want to see your kids eventually get rid of the training wheels of life? Look at Proverbs 22, 6. Show them how to ride, you discipline them, and then you let them ride alone. Is that scary? Yep. They're going to fall over? Oh, yeah. But the prayer is is that as they they stumble and fall, they're going to get back up and say there's something to living according to the leadership of God. Because His way and His path is best. 